me to the book of Acts again, Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be looking at several verses there this morning. Uh, last week, we began this new series that we're calling uh, The Movement. It's based on a study that we're going to be in out of the, the book of Acts. And last week, uh, I shared with you, I just want to encourage you. Uh, uh, I, I know I say a lot. You know, if you weren't here last week, you can go back, you can go to the website, you can go to our podcast, you can order DVDs. We have all kinds of ways that you can catch up on messages. I, I just want to tell you this morning, I, I really want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to find a way to listen to the message last week because we laid the groundwork for a series that we're going to be in for quite a while, uh, very possibly throughout the entire summer. And so if you weren't here last Sunday, I, I just ask you, would you please go back and listen? Uh, I believe you'll have a better understanding of where we're going uh, in the days ahead if you'll catch up with that. But last week, you know, I, I shared with you that the, the church is not a place. The church is a movement. It's, it is what it is. It's a movement. It, it's not a place. But over the years, sadly, that's been lost. Uh, church has become a place uh, where we attend. Church has become, for a lot of people in our world and in our society today, uh, uh, an event that we go to. Uh, uh, and, but the original church was this movement that was gathered around a mission. Uh, and, and this mission came first. We learned last week that uh, the mission was given in Acts chapter 1. Uh, it was laid out there for us, laid out there for the disciples, which meant it's for us as well. And, and the church wasn't formed until uh, we're going to see this morning at the end of, of chapter 2. And so, you know, uh, the, the, the mission was given before the church was ever established. In, in fact, I, I heard it said this way, God doesn't have a mission for his church, but he made the church for his mission. And sometimes I think we, we get that backwards or we get that messed up. God didn't look at the church and go, oh, you know what an awesome group of people. I need to find something for them to do, right? I, I need to come up with a mission for them to, 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 to do or, or to complete or whatever. Uh, and, but that's not what he did. He formed the church for the purpose of the mission. That's what the church is all about, which means this. The church uh, it, that is not on a mission is not really a church. A church that is not really on a mission uh, or part of this movement is not really a church. And so last week, uh, we saw this. We looked at this statement uh, that says, movements move, right? Movements move. And if you're part of a movement, you're moving. Makes sense? I mean, it's logical. Uh, uh, we, you know, movements move. And if you're not moving, then you're obviously not part of the movement that is moving. And Acts chapter one, you know, showed us two things that propelled this movement that began this movement. First thing was this. We saw that they were captivated. They were captured by the message. And then the second thing that we talked about is that they yielded to the Spirit. And those are two things that we're going to be talking about and we're going to be focusing on uh, over and over and over again throughout this entire series uh, this, this summer. Question will be asked repeatedly, have you been captured by the message? 
Have you been captivated by the message? Not just do you believe it, not just, well, you know, I've always heard it, and so, you know, I'll go along with it. No, I'm not asking you if you believe it. The question is, have you been captured by it? Have you been captivated by it? And are you yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you yielding to that? Do you know what it means to walk with him? Do you know what it means to be filled by him? Do you fellowship with the, the Holy Spirit? Do you move? Do you live your life in the power of the Holy Spirit? Is Christianity for you a, a, a lifestyle or is it truly an interaction with the Spirit of God in your life. And one of my prayers and my hope is in this series that we would become more of a Spirit-filled church. It's, it's important. It's crucial. And I don't mean that we're going to get weird, all right? I don't mean that we're going to go all crazy. We're not going to, you know, put snakes in the box. We ain't doing that here. When you want to start doing that here, you need to find yourself another pastor. We're not painting flames on the side of the church van, right? Because the Holy Spirit spirit's coming baby here we come you know we're not doing that we're not handing out tambourines with ribbons on them so you know we can see them fly we, you know we're, we're not going there uh, uh but church must be a spirit-filled group of people uh, it has to be it, it must be that's what the book of acts is all about it, it, it's what it's all about living and walking and moving in in the spirit it's all a result of what the spirit is doing and so today we're going to look at uh, the experience. We're going to look at what take, took place when the Spirit uh, came upon the church, when the Spirit came upon us, and, and, and then we're going to see the birth of the church and how that all looked and how all that took place. We're going to see uh, what the experience was like when it came, and then we're going to see what their response was to that uh, a little bit later on. So let's pick it up here in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1. God's word says this, when the day of Pentecost came, and the day of Pentecost was a Jewish holiday, uh, right? And, and so they were all together in one place. They had all come together to celebrate the, path, the, the Pentecost uh, together. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I want you to think of this like this. Anytime I read this, uh, I, I immediately think of the sound of a tornado. Okay, because we here in Arkansas can relate to the sound of a tornado, right? And so think of this like a tornado, this powerful and, and loud, you know, with great power. Some of you have experienced a tornado, unfortunately, and, and you know the sound of that. You know the power of that. So picture this is what is taking place here at this moment. This is what it was like when the Holy Spirit came. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. So what's, what's happening here? Well, every believer, don't miss this. This is, this is huge for you and me. Every believer now has the presence of God on them and in them. Okay, this is huge because if you think back to the Old Testament, no one was ever allowed to be in the presence of God. Right? No one could see him. No one could touch him. No one could be in his presence. But now, because of what Jesus did, now because of the pouring out of this Holy Spirit on every believer, every believer is not only in God's presence, but God's presence is in them. And this is huge for us. This is absolutely the greatest news that we could possibly hear today. Verse 4, all of them were filled. With, all of them were filled. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. All right? So they, they were all Jews from every nation under heaven, this tells us. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Can you imagine? People had come from, from all areas, right, who speak all, spoke all these different languages. But now they're hearing these that have been the, given the Holy Spirit, they're, they're hearing them speak in a different language, in their own language. Look at verse 7. Utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all these that are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Verse 11 says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now, now, don't miss this. These tongues were other human languages. So a lot of times people can take this and, and, and kind of get this out of sorts and out of whack. This was simply God giving them the gift to be able to speak in the languages of all the people that had gathered there. That's what this is. All right? He's given these people the gift of doing that who, oh, by the way, did not know those languages to begin with. And, and so it's blowing their minds. They're seeing all this take take place. Even the ones that were speaking, I'm sure were, you know, befuddled. They didn't know what it was that was coming out of their mouth, but what was coming out of their mouth was known by someone else there. It was beneficial to those because God said, I want everybody to hear the message. I want everybody to hear the word and your language will not be a hindrance to my message going out into the world. And so he gave them exactly what they needed. He gives us exactly what we need to get the message out into this world. That's what he does. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? <laughs> this has all got pretty weird, right? This is crazy. What does this mean? Some, however, they just made fun of them. They just made fun of them and said they've had too much to drink, you know? Verse 14, then Peter stood up with 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. It's 11 in the morning. How many of you here are drunk this morning? Some of you still may be close from what you did last night, but, I mean, we just get up this morning and start drinking. That's what Peter said, right? He's like, there's no way they're drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning, you know? And, and, and he, then he goes on to explain to them what's happening. And what he does, and I love this, because he knows they may not recognize, they may not, uh, you know, they may not know what's going on right here, but I'm going to take them back to the Old Testament because they all know the Old Testament. They all know what the Scriptures say. And so I'm going to remind them of something that took place there. Look what he does. He says, no, they're not drunk. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Do you remember? This is what was spoken by him. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Think of what Peter is saying to them here. He says, all people, which was huge <laughs> because he's not just talking to Jews now. Because before, up until this point in the Old Testament, God had only moved and worked in the nation of Israel and in the, you know, the, the Jews. But now all people, his work is going out to 
all the world, to all the nations. All of humanity should know and should worship Jesus Christ. Right? That this feeling of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the, the Jews. This feeling of the Holy Spirit was for all believers. And let me tell you something. That is great news for you and for me because we fit in to that category of all people all believers, right? And so Peter goes on then to, to preach this awesome sermon, basically about who Jesus is, being his witness. Like we talked about last week, Jesus said, just be my witness. Just tell what you saw. Just tell what you know. Tell what you've experienced. So Peter goes into this message about who Jesus is. And at the end of his message, I've never had this happen. Uh, I probably never will. But at the end of Peter's message, the people begin to, to yell out, you know, what should we do? What should we do in response to this? You know, we, we understand what's happened. We've, we've heard the message. We've heard your testimony. Some of us have experienced this. What should we do now? And Peter responds, repent. Repent and receive this gift from Jesus, this gift of salvation for yourself, and be baptized as a sign of that. And you know what happened? 3,000 people responded to that message. Repent, receive the gift of salvation, and be baptized. I, I can't even imagine. I have trouble baptizing one. I can't imagine 3,000, you know. Uh, I probably have to have some help. I'm pretty sure Peter didn't do that all by himself. He did, his back wasn't made for that, all right? But, but so here's a picture of how this all began, this is, this is what it looked like. I'm trying to give you a picture of, uh, of the beginning of this movement and how it all began. So in light of that, what was their response to it? What, what was their response to what they had just experienced, to what had just had taken place? What was their response to that? Well, their response to this mighty movement is what we call the church today. All right, now I'm going to skip down to verse number 42. And I just want to give you a heads up right here, right now, for all of you type A people. As we go through this series, we're going to be in it a long time. I'm not promising you that we're doing Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I'm not even promising you that I'm always going to do verses in order. So some of you need to be warned about that ahead of time because I know how you are, and that's going to freak you all out, all right? But there's a method behind the madness, I promise. All right, we're going to skip down to verse number 42. It says this. This will be our last verse that we're going to look at today. And matter of fact, we're not even going to get through it all today. We're going, to, we're going to have to finish up next week. Verse 42 says this was their response to what had just occurred. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And all the good little Nazarites said amen. Huh? But we're going to talk a little more about that next week because it's not what you think. <laughs> uh, kind of is, but then again, we're going to, uh, next week we're going to be receiving communion together and we're going to see how this applies to all of us a little better next week. And then it says, and they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to, which means they abandoned themselves to these things that we see here, that unselfishly, that they, they were devoted to it. They did this in response to what had happened in their heart. They did this in response to the message. 
right? And it was a natural reaction to what Jesus had done in their lives. It was a natural uh, reaction to the gospel of Jesus. And if you really believe the gospel, if you have really embraced the gospel, can I just tell you, you'll do these things. If you've truly joined the movement, this is what your life will look like. They were devoted to uh, these things. It won't be a to-do list. We're all about wanting to make a to-do list, a checklist, right? It won't be a to-do list. It won't be things that you have to do. Oh, I have to go do this at church, or I have to do that. It, it won't be that. It will be a natural result. It'll be as natural to you as breathing, right? That, that's what it will be. Uh, the first thing that, that uh, we see they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to what? The message. They devoted themselves to the gospel. They devoted themselves to the word. And listen, the people in the first century church didn't have to be told this. Peter didn't get up and preach a sermon about you need to be reading your Bible. That's not what he did. He preached Jesus and Jesus changed them. And then they were devoted to this word. They were devoted to this message. Right? They, they didn't have to, they had to be told to do this. It just came naturally when they surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ because they knew they, they had experienced only a dead heart can be brought to life through this message. And after Jesus left this awesome task, we talked about last week how crazy that experience must have been. He called his disciples up onto the hillside. He says, Hey, I want you to be my witnesses. I just want you to go and tell what you have seen. I want you to go tell people about what you've seen and what you've experienced. And oh, by the way, I want you to tell everybody in the world that story. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm sending someone who will help you. And then he, and then he left. And, and after this awesome task that he's given to the disciples to be the witnesses of the world, think about what God did with, at that point forward, God has then revealed himself to all of humanity through their words, through their words, through their message. He said, be my witnesses of what you saw. Be my witnesses of what you've experienced. And so we have it recorded right here in God's holy word, right here in the scripture. Think of the number of people that have been impacted by these words. God revealed himself to us through his words, which we have recorded in our Holy Bible. And I love you enough to tell you today that there is no shortcut to this. We're all about not having enough time. We're all about trying to create shortcuts. But I'm going to just tell you and be honest with you this morning because I love you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will naturally be drawn to his word. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will naturally be drawn to his teaching. I believe if you're a follower of Jesus and a part of the movement, you'll be a learner. You'll be driven to learn. You'll be devoted to more, to know more. And I've learned, I've learned this from just seeing a lot of people. When they get really serious about their relationship with God, they become obsessed with the word of God. They can't get enough of it. They can't, they, they, they can't learn enough. They can't read enough. They can't study enough. So can I ask you this morning, do you have a Bible reading plan? That's a fair question I think a preacher could ask his church. 
Do you have a Bible reading plan, a plan that you follow to study and, and read God's Word? Do you have a plan? If not, can I ask you this? How in the world do you expect to survive without it? How, how do you think you're going to get through life without being in God's Word and, and having a plan to do that? Let me tell you something. This world is filled with lies and deception. It is. Fake news. <laughs> Sorry. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> but seriously, whether you believe the news or not, the world is filling our minds with all other kinds of lies and deception. Through the music we listen to, the books we read, things on TV, movies, you know, just the world is filling our minds with junk, with junk. And so we, we've got to counteract that. We've got to be filling our minds and filling our hearts with the, the truth, which is God's Word. And if you don't have a Bible reading plan, uh, then I encourage you to go to our website. Go to our website at greenbriarnazarene.org. Uh, it's not on our, our uh, app yet. Hopefully it may be before this series is over because I'm going to keep bringing it up. Um, but anyway, greenbriarnazarene.org, go to media, Bible reading plans, and I promise you there are hundreds out there. All right, there are hundreds. There's, uh, there's specific ones for men. There's ones for women. Uh, ones for women. That, that, uh, that's not, I'm going to get in trouble with that grammar. Um, kids, men, women, married people, single people. Hey, hey, hundreds out there. The reason they're out there is because we think it's important. It's important. We want to give you a tool. We want to give you a, a way to, to be able to do this, and we've made that available to you. So do you have a Bible reading plan? I'm, making, I'm taking it at a personal level, but now I want to take it just a little bit farther. Not only do you have a Bible reading plan, can I ask you, do your kids have a Bible reading plan? Do, do you have a plan for your kids to receive the Word of God and to learn the Word of God? Because, oh, by the way, if it's just in children's church for 30 minutes on Sunday mornings, that ain't going to cut it. It's our job to partner with you. It's our job to help you, but you were given children to raise for God's glory. And so do you have a regular plan? Do, do you, are you getting your children in the, the Word of God? And, and if not, how do you expect them to survive in this world as a follower of Jesus Christ if you're not doing that? I, I, know sometimes, I know you don't like to hear this, but we've got to ask ourselves serious questions. Are we really in this or are we not in this? Are we part of the movement or are we not? They devoted themselves to the apostles' uh, teaching. De Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, put it on your door frames. Hide it in your hearts. You know, memorize it. The movement, the church began by followers being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Are you? The second thing that we see here is that they were devoted to, they were devoted to each other. Um, I'm just totally going to get sidetracked here. I've got a text message. I want to share with you. I don't know how many of you know who Beth Moore is or follow Beth Moore or care about Beth Moore. I'm a big Beth Moore fan. Uh, and uh, some people don't like her because she just calls it like it is. I like that. 
She sent a tweet this morning. Some, I follow her on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, follow Beth Moore. Uh, you'll, you'll love her. Some of you don't even know what Twitter is. Um, you're better for it. She posted this this morning. She said, this is solely has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just so you know, just going here. Pastors, a few helpful verses for Mother's Day sermon. Romans 12, 16. She took everywhere scripture said one another and changed it to one a mother. All right. Romans 12, 16. Be the same mind with one a mother. Be at peace. Mark 9, 50. Be at peace with one a mother. Oops. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage and build up one another. John 13, 34, love one another. Philippians 2, 3, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Now, I know it's Mother's Day, and that's cute, but I'm going to tell you, if you'll start looking at how often Scripture talks about how we're to treat and be with one another. Just start reading your Bible and see how many times it talks about being together and being with one another and what we do for one another, how we love one another, how we encourage one another. This is exactly the picture that we're giving when this movement started. They were committed to and gave of themselves to one another, right, to to each other. And, and, And think about what they had witnessed. They had witnessed the life of Jesus Christ and what had he done. Christ had given up his life for them right? Christ had poured out his life for them. So what did they do? All they knew was to devote themselves to one another, just like Jesus had devoted himself to them. It's what they knew. It's what they'd seen. It's what they'd experienced. So this is what they did. And don't miss this. They, They began all this by meeting in small groups. And I'm not making this up, all right? I'm not making this up. Uh, uh, they were a big group of people. We know 3,000 initially. That's a big group, right? That's a big church. That's a lot. That's six times the size of our membership, right? But v- verse 46 says they were a big group. Verse 46 says that day by day they met in homes, all right? There, there was a big group, and then there was small groups, and so, you know, the big group, I kind of picture it like, like an army coming together to get their marching orders, okay? And, and then small groups are, are, are like the family where people are, are, are loving on one another. They're, they're loved. They serve each other. I, I've seen people that are part of small groups or, or Sunday school classes and, and, and things like that go through some really difficult and tough situations uh, in their life, and their small group or their Sunday school class gathered around them and basically picked them up and carried them through whatever it was that they were going through. They had those people in their lives to carry them, encourage them, be a part of their life, be their strength when they were weak. I've also seen people go through terrible things in their life that didn't have that in their life, and they went through it alone. There was a reason they were devoted to each other. They knew how much they needed each other. It's important. It's a part of being a part of the movement. And small groups are like family where we love on each other and we serve each other. And and I'm not saying that the big group is not important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that what we do here every Sunday and what we do here every Wednesday is not important, even though some people think that it's not. But it's terribly important. 
what we do here on Sundays and what we do on Wednesday nights. But here's the deal. If you're not committed to the big gathering, if you can't even commit yourself to coming together with the big group and the big gathering, then you definitely will never be committed to each other on this movement. It cannot happen. It only happens through these small groups. You know, uh, and it's in more personal settings where we actually give of ourselves to one another, pour ourselves into one another, open ourselves up and allow people to speak into our lives. It's only in these personal settings. And it's not just, lit. don't get me wrong, this is not another box that I'm telling you you got to check. All right, that's our mentality. Oh, now he's telling me not only do I got to go to church on Sunday once a month, but now I got to join a small group. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you ought to go to church every week. But I'm not saying, you know, in order to be a Christian, you know, small group, check, you know, begrudgingly. Sunday school, check. You know, it, it's not that. This fellowship, when you're on this movement, this fellowship that we see them devoted to, this fellowship that I'm talking to you about this morning, that this idea is something that you will hunger for. It's something that you will want when you're on this movement uh, with these people, a hunger to be around fellow believers, you know, to, to pour into them and them to pour back into you. And let me tell you something. Yes, it happens in homes, in, in small groups. It, it happens in Sunday school classes. It does. It's been happening in Sunday school classes for hundreds of years. Small groups in homes started a whole lot longer before Sunday school did, okay, just for the record, so you know. This thing happens in coffee shops. Yes, it can happen in Starbucks. Lo and behold, it can even happen at the wagon wheel. It can. I meet with some guys at the wagon wheel. We try to get together at least once a week. What are we doing? We're just trying to do this. What's up? What's going on? How can I pray for you? How can I help? Here's what's going on in my life. What's going on in yours? You know, and just doing life together. It is so important. It is so important. And, and, and you start seeing here in these scriptures, in this passage here, this word together being used. Right? Verse 44, they were together. Verse 46, they met together. They ate together. So the question this morning isn't just, are you in a small group? Because that's just a tool. That's just a facilitator that, that, that we try to use to get people to do this, right? To be a part of this. The question is, are you investing in people's lives? Are you investing in people's lives and are you opening up your life so that other people can invest in you? One of the greatest times of growth that I recall in this church, I've been here 21 years. One of the greatest times that I remember may not have been the greatest time for you, but I remember uh, back to a time when our church had some tremendous growth, some, some tremendous things happened in our church. We saw God uh, move in people's lives and people's families and restore some families. Uh, we saw great growth in our church, the reason we had to build uh, this facility that we're in right now. But, but during this time when we saw all this happen, happen was a time that we had several prayer groups that were meeting together in people's homes. Some of you remember that. Some of, the, some of you were part of that. You recall that. We had men, women, and, and, and it wasn't when they had time and, and when they could, you know, work it into their busy schedules. 
No, they sacrificially did it. We had uh, one group in particular, I remember, that, that met at like 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, because they were moms and they all needed to get home and get their kids ready for school and had things to do. Men that were gathering 5, 5.30 in the morning before they would go to work, pray together, pour into each other. Some, some of you remember that. Some of you were part of that, and you saw God work in some awesome ways in and through that. I'll never forget one group of young guys that uh, uh, had coming over to the house. They would actually come over. The boys were, were babies, and they would come over after we'd put the boys to bed, and uh, we'd pray together. And this one young man uh, that was a part of this group at this time uh, that we were having, we were just simply praying that his mom and dad would come to church. He, he had a family that was a train wreck. Some of you been there, done that. Some of you are in it. Uh, his dad was an alcoholic, drank hard liquor all the time, uh, just, just a really bad setting in the home. And we were just simply praying. I was keeping a prayer journal of what we prayed about each week. We got together every week. And, I, and we were specifically praying that his mom and dad would come to church. Well, years later, looking back through that journal, through that time, seeing what we were praying and then seeing what God did, that young man's mom and daddy not only came to church, but they were gloriously saved. God delivered them from these chains and bonds of alcohol and pornography and everything that was going on of the devil that was going in their home. They threw away, got out of their home, allowed God to fill their home, allowed God to fill their heart. This dad that was an alcoholic that was subjecting his kids to everything uh, under the sun that Satan could possibly offer them got a call on his heart to become a preacher. <laughs> Started the course of study, and for about the last 15 years, has pastored a church in South Carolina. It's what God does, it's what He wants. He wants to hear our prayers and us to ask if mom and dad will come to church, but he wants to do so much greater, so much bigger. And we've experienced that. We've seen those things happen. I've seen those things happen this week. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, we're going to talk more about this next week, but I would just ask you today, does your life today look like this? Does your life today include this? And if not, why not? This was a natural response to the message. This was a natural response to the gospel for them. They devoted themselves. They gave themselves away. They were devoted to the fellowship of this movement. This is the church. That's the church. But so many people, you know, they think the church is about what we can get out of it. And I see pastors walk away from it every single day. I have lots of friends that are pastors. I know a lot of people that are pastors. And they are walking away from churches in steady streams today because of this. It's because people are draining them because they come to church looking for what they can get from the church, what they can get from the pastor, what can be done for them, what will make them look good or make them feel good. And, and no human in this world can, can meet those expectations. And so pastors are bailing out because it can't be done. Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. This morning before the early service, I had someone walk up to me and ask me where I was a particular time this week. And I just had a puzzled look on my face. And I, I, 
you know, I said, well, you know, it's, it's been a rough week. It's been a busy week. Why? Well, there was something going on that uh, that uh, thought you would have been at. All the other pastors in town were at it. I got teeth marks in my stinking tongue. Y'all don't think I can keep my mouth shut, but I did. I said, well, God bless you. You know, maybe they can clone me, and if there's four of me, I might could have been everywhere everybody expected me to be this week. The point is not what can you get out of it. That's not the church. <laughs> you know, the point's not what can we get out of it. The point <laughs> of the church is how can I give myself away? How can I pour into others? Our, our problem today is that the world tells us, you know, that we should be the center of our selfish little universe. And it's that message right there that is destroying families and destroying marriages. I'll just tell you, it's people being selfish. I've never yet met with or counseled with people who were having marriage problems or gone through marriage problems where it didn't revolve around at some point being selfish. And what I'm not getting or what I want that I'm not receiving. Okay, that, that's the lies and deception that I was talking about earlier. That's not the truth about marriage. That's not the truth about how our, our families should be, be run. And, and the world, again, is filling our, our families and our marriages with, with all kinds of lies. But what's the truth? The truth is that we should be devoted to each other and we should give ourselves away. We should be unselfish. That's the truth. That's the Word of God. That's the message. And they were devoted to this. And one other thing I want to point out before we close here, and I know I went over 20 minutes. Sorry, Mom. But something that jumps out to me here in Acts 2, I, I just love this because I, I, I just can kind of relate to this, is that this was a diverse group of people. All right? And I want to be sure and point that out. Verse 5 says that they were people from every nation under heaven, which means what? They were different, right? They, they had different cultures. They had different ideas. But yet what happened? They were unified by the message. You see that? They were unified by the message. They were unified in the, in the mission and the movement, and they weren't divided. And I think about this, and I think, you know, right here is a picture of us just getting a little foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. You know, every nation under all of heaven coming together with different languages, different cultures, different ideas, all these things. Anytime I've been on mission trips, uh, been to Belize a, a couple times, and this just grabs hold of me as I, as I encounter these people and spend time with these people who are very much not like me. Right? I mean, nothing about them is like me uh, other than I did see some that had a wondering eye, but that's about the only thing we had in common. But, you know, they, they would pray. They praise God in their own ways. You know, they didn't, they didn't worship like we worship. They did it different. You know, they did it in different languages. Uh, you know, they just looked different. The church was different. Everything about the way they did things were, were different. And I'm like, I'm going to be in heaven with these people one day, and I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like. When all these cultures and all these, you know, things come together. And, and can I just tell you this morning, and this is going to break some of your hearts, heaven is not only going to be filled with Americans. We laugh, but we apply so much of the Bible to us as Americans in the way we view it, right? Heaven's going to be filled with a lot of people other than Americans. Probably a whole lot more than Americans, right? And, and, 
my tongue's so sore, I can't bite it again. Heaven, <laughs> heaven is going to be filled with more than just Republicans. <laughs> and Frank said they're going to have to pray awful hard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's not going to be filled with just Republicans or Democrats. It's not going to be filled with just white people. It's not going to be filled with just black people. The church, listen, the church is multiracial. The church is multi-ethnic. It's a gathering of people that have different backgrounds and have different cultures and have different economic statuses, different educational backgrounds. That's what I love about the church. It'll let anybody in. We let every one of you in today. Imagine that. Y'all going to have to forgive me, but I've got to find my place in my notes or we're in big trouble. I'm praying that our church will look like heaven. Be different colors, different cultures, different bank accounts, different degrees, no degrees. I'm just praying that we look like heaven. I, and listen, you know, followers of Jesus will be so captured by the message that we'll just be devoted to one another. We're going to be so captivated by this message that we'll be devoted to the teaching, the apostles' teaching, hungering for God's Word, hungering for God's Word in our lives, just like we hunger for food and hunger to breathe. You know, and I just want to ask you this morning, has this message so captured you that you are obsessed with being in His Word and learning more about it? Has it so captured you that you've made the apostles' teaching a priority in your family? Have you made it a priority with your kids? Have you made it a priority with your grandkids? Followers, followers of Jesus will also be so captured by this message that they're going to be devoted to one another. And, and being devoted to one another and being a part of each other's lives is just a natural response of being devoted to God. And when we yield to the Spirit and we allow the Spirit to fall upon us the way it did at Pentecost that we read about earlier, it will change our lives in a powerful way. And so as we close today, let me just ask you, and I told you I'm going to ask you this every week, are you a part of this movement? Are you a part of this movement? Is what we talked about here this morning, does your life look like that? Does your family look like that? What we've seen, if not, then we should seriously consider if we're part of the movement of God or we're just a member of an institution. My prayer for you and my prayer for our church is that we will be as devoted to the things of God as we see these first century uh, Christians were. Because, friends, this is what the Christian movement looks like. This is what the Christian movement is. It, it is, and, and when we're part of the movement, I'm going to just tell you, God's going to blow our minds. We're going to do some things that we never expected or even imagined, 
when we're devoted to the mission and a part of the movement. So will you join us? Will you join us on the movement? Will you join the family and be a part of what God wants to do in and through this world? We'd love for you to join. Let me pray for you. God, I just again this morning want to thank you so much for your word. I want to thank you uh, for this reminder today of what, what it means to be called by you what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a follower. It's not check boxes. It's simply being devoted. It's simply uh, allowing your spirit to do a work in our heart that we can't do for ourselves. And today, I, you know, I don't, I don't know in a message like this, it speaks to a lot of different people in different ways. I know how you've spoken to me. And, and I thank you for that. I, pray, I just pray today that you'd find us all faithful and obedient to what it is you're saying and speaking into our lives. God, you've called us to be a part of the movement. We, we are grateful and thankful that you would even consider us to be a part of your movement in this world. But God, I pray that we would go out these walls and these people would see us so devoted to your word. They would see us so devoted to each other, pouring into others and allowing people to pour into us so that people outside would look at us and go, I don't know what it is about them, but I need that in my life. Whatever is causing them to live their lives the way they are is going to fill this void that I currently have in my heart. And God, we know that when we're walking faithfully and we're walking obedient, that we're giving you glory. We're, we're just representing our dad, representing who you are. And so... God, help us. Uh, we, we need you desperately bad to give us the power that we need through the Holy Spirit and then just yield to that and follow it and walk in it. And so I thank you today for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. I, I know that your Holy Spirit's at work. I, I see it. I, I, see the, I see a storm brewing. <laughs> I, I, I just pray that the tornado will sweep not only over our church but this community, and you'll do some awesome and mighty things in and through your people in the days ahead. And we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you leave, one lucky mom.